G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I had to kind of come to the conclusion that through being prodded by the scripture that I was serving God in the way that best served me. I was doing the music thing and thank you very much. I love that. That was good. But all this other stuff, basic compassion stuff, I, I didn't I didn't know where that fit. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, in the early 1990s, Scott McLeod was working as a successful musician when he became disillusioned and unsatisfied with the Christian music industry. He says he saw serious flaws in the foundation, such as a lack of compassion and character. Then Scott and some of his music peers began to seek the Lord for direction, and they were led to serve the poor and lost of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Thus begun a wonderful movement of God. Scott will share his story today as he has a chat with Karen Hunt, who was on holiday with her family in Nashville when this conversation was recorded. Scott, maybe just uh, give us a little background of your early days in Canada and how you got to be here in Nashville. Yeah, well, Karen, it's great to be with you and to meet you guys. Um, Yeah, well, I came from Canada and a great Christian family, grew up serving God and and uh, found music when I was 12 years old, and uh, that was, you know, really fascinating to me. I, somehow I, just, I, just, I was doing a lot of visual arts and sports and stuff, but I dropped it all and went after music, and I, somehow I felt a real destiny, like God was going to use me that way. And uh, so uh, when I was done college up there, I was wanting to use, you know, the music. I played drums and wanting to use it for God, and, and uh, there really wasn't many opportunities. It was mostly just playing in clubs and kind of playing with fire, all the worldly stuff all around me. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. i got to get out of here. So I did. By God's grace, I got directed to come to Nashville, and that was 29 years ago. So I've been here a while, and uh, we've seen God do some immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. I came here, as many people do, as a musician, trying to figure out you know, how to use my gift. Uh, for you know, from my case, I wanted to really use it uh, in, the, uh, in the Christian industry. That's what it was. That's what I called it back then, the Christian industry. And uh, so I came here, doors opened after some time, and uh, it was good. You know, it was great to do do, do something you love to do. Um, but, um, you know, I started seeing some behind the scenes kind of issues and people stepping on one another to get to the top all in the name of Jesus and just kind of like, wow, there's, there's more to this story than, than the shiny, squeaky clean kind of Christian image. So that was disheartening and disillusioning to some extent. As a bunch of young guys, we began to seek the Lord, like, God, what do we do? Like, we're doing what we love to do, but it's not so lovely. <laughs> There's a lot of issues going on. And, and so we, uh, by God's grace, we stumbled upon a little uh, home kind of prayer gathering where we, we just kind of had our bongos and guitars and cracked open the Bible and, and a real intimate environment and uh, really didn't know what we were doing much back then. Uh, there were prayer... The, the whole cell group, home group movement hadn't really hit, so we were just kind of like started a Thursday night, we're just doing it on our own, and, and uh, but God was meeting with us, and then also we started stumbling upon these little songs uh, 
but these songs that actually touched our hearts really in a deep way and we're like wow this is something and so um and then we started stumbling over the words of jesus going wow this is really you know uh, poking at our selfishness, basically, like stuff like the sheep and the goats. Uh, you fed me, you clothed me, you visited me. You know, the the, the least of these, uh, or not, and the consequences. You know, even like eternal life or eternal punishment. We're like, what? Let's read that again. Could could Jesus even mean what he's saying? What is happening? Like, we didn't grow up in churches that that really did this kind of stuff. So we're like, this is totally revolutionary. And then I had to kind of come to the conclusion that through through being prodded by the scripture that I was serving God in the way that best served me. I was, I was doing the music thing and thank you very much. I love that. That was good. But all this other stuff, basic compassion stuff, I, I didn't I didn't know where that fit. But I got transformed by <laughs> trying the word of God. Let's just try it. It's important to Jesus. It's got to be important to us. Let's, so we started some outreaches downtown um, 20 something years ago, 24 years ago now. And uh, one little outreach just changed everything. We met with a bunch of homeless guys, obscure outreach on the wrong side of town, and brought some food and our little guitars and bongos and played our songs and touched these guys. And, and I was driving home, I told my friend, I said, I feel like we just touched eternity or something. It was like unbelievable. After all the big stuff, names and games and everything we do in the music industry, concerts and festivals, and, and we were doing all that. We are thankful for that, but at the same time, we are still looking for the kingdom of God. And this set my heart at peace. So I was like, this, I know that I know mattered for eternity. And uh, so it kind of rocked my world. And, and uh, But that was the beginning of vision. And we stepped into obedience. And then it's like the kingdom just started to open up all around us, like revelation of like, of some people call it the upside down kingdom. The first will be last, the last will be first. The, you know, and um, so we started going, wow, this is important to God. And and, and what the Lord spoke to me when I said, I feel like we just touched eternity after this first outreach. He said, no, it's, be- it's better than that. You just touched me. You did it to the least of these. That's why it feels so good. And I was like, wow. So we can touch you anytime we want through the poor. And so that was a big beginning of a journey of mobilizing compassion. A city like this, highest per capita of churches of any city in North America. And uh, Christians and musicians everywhere. And so abundant kingdom resources, and yet we had these craters of, of the city called Inner City. And I didn't even know what it was as a Canadian boy. Like, who lives there? What is that? The government housing projects, you know, this kind of thing. And, and uh, so, was, you know, people would say, well, you know, it's, it's black people live there or sometimes Hispanic or whatever. But the summation of the conversation was pretty much, you know, it's dangerous. You don't want to go there. You don't want to think about it. But I guess the word of God had gotten in me. I called the... The red, the red letters are called the hot sauce. <laughs> it was burning on the inside. Like, no, wait a second. We, it can't be like this forever. Not in a city that's got so much abundance in the kingdom. We, there's got to be something that we can do. And so vision came. We started Provision International. And it was mobilizing the abundant kingdom resource that's here, including the creative uh, community, creative compassion, which are our peers. Yep. So what is it that you are providing Provision International. Yeah, so that started us on a journey where we uh, we landed um, down here in this old foundry. We're looking for an, an office, and from there we opened it as a, a place of worship, which was <laughs> kind of you know revolutionary back in those days. On a Friday night, spend a whole night just worshiping Jesus, and 
coffee house before Starbucks. So it was all pioneering, you know, in the hood. So coffee house, worship in the, in the part of town where the police are constantly telling you, you got to get out of here, you're crazy. So, but it worked. It was amazing. People started encountering God in this place. And, and um, you know, it became an outreach center. It became a worship center. And we started providing, you know, the, the quick version of what happened is we walked through the, the first time we had the courage to walk through our communities, all African-American community. Um, they, they were shouting us down. They thought we were police and the whole thing. And But I had a vision at the end of it. We did a prayer walk because we heard prayer walks are important. So we... And, and more importantly, we could walk around the perimeter instead of walk through it. It seemed a little safer. <laughs> so we walked through, and I had a vision of Jesus on a bulldozer. And he was having a big time just plowing over the, you know, really looked like the whole area. I was like, wow. And on the side, it said, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that literally was the beginning. I said, guys, I think I got a strategy. We're just supposed to devise goodness as much as we can. Eventually, it's going to. It's going to push back all this darkness, the decades of addiction and dysfunction, broken families. And uh, and so we started. That's what we provided. We provided everything we could think of for many years, probably about 14 years straight, where we, we started with the kids, inner-city inner children, uh, discipling them every Saturday morning. Saturday night, we'd have a huge thing. We'd, we'd uh, have the whole park, and we'd thunder the gospel and have food and music and drama and rap music using everything we could think of we started visit visitations to the, with the single moms a couple times a week we go visit them in their homes and um you know started teenage programs started a camp taking the kids out of the community i mean just it's just one thing god just kept providing 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 and bringing people and it just kept became a full service inner city connection here like a, an umbilical cord connected between here and there we had the warehouse across the street there we had food and clothing distribution for about i think about eight years straight we got rid of those now when the neighborhood got transformed so yeah we just and eventually 2007 the bulldozers came and and 28 million dollar grant totally transformed the whole place brand new no more drug corners we call it the jesus corner where we do our outreaches with the kids now and it's a renaissance total renaissance new beginning there's dignity there's hope it's not a heavy uh, scary atmosphere that used to be here and uh, you know we've seen the strongholds come down the, 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 there's a an inn right here I'll tell you one la- last story is a good one so we had this the drug corner right here that's been transformed on the end of the street here we have this place called the Sunnyside Inn it was anything but sunny it was very dark it was only open at nighttime, and it was a hub for prostitution and um, it was uh, you know play, people get shot and stabbings and crazy stuff so I knew that was a nest of sin. It was a stronghold. And I was like, you know, we had gone into some of the crack houses here and met the, the dealers and the whole deal. And we had obviously a lot of favor or we wouldn't be alive. You know, we had favor throughout the whole time. God protected it. No one ever got hurt. But um, but down there, I was like, Lord, should I go meet those guys or talk to that owner or whatever? You know, and, and he said, no, don't go in there. And I was like, really, what do we do? He said, drop bombs on it. So we've, for the last... 22 years we've had worship every Friday night right here and we just you know just have different teams and we just have coffee house c- community environment but we have a lot of inter- intercession just and so he said use your spiritual weapons to demolish strongholds so we started to pray and I think about a couple years into it we'd pray for the Sunnyside Inn 
Lord, take that thing down. Take out the, these strongholds and set people free and all the prostitutes that walk the street and all this stuff. So we hammered away for a while. One day, one of my young guys, guys came came running down the street here. Said, Scott, Pastor Scott, you're not going to believe it. The sunny side is gone. It's gone. I was like, what do you mean? He says, come here quick. We ran down there. Everything looked like it was in slow motion. People were walking, scratching their head all around this pile of rubble, just bricks. And and the whole thing had imploded like God just stepped on it. And it, and it, it, it's, it crashed so hard that the bricks went out and broke, broke out the windows of the cars around it. But no one was in it. No one got hurt. And the owner was out there cussing, saying, I'm going to rebuild it, you know, bigger and better and the whole thing. And to this day, it's a field of grass. You know, God just took it out and no one could figure it out. It was just like, how did this happen? Like, and we were under the impression there was some spiritual uh, weapons that were fired that direction. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is on location in Nashville, Tennessee, having a chat with Scott McLeod, the founder of Harvest Sound Music Ministry, and also Harvest Sound International, which serves the poor and shares with them the good news of Jesus. We'll hear more of Scott's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with more of Karen Hunt on location in Nashville, Tennessee, having a chat with Scott McLeod, the founder of Harvest Sound Music Ministry and Harvest Sound International. Scott has also written about the importance of purity in creativity in his book, Snakes in the Lobby. Now, here's more of Scott McLeod sharing his story. Tell us about your family. You're married, you've got two kids. Are they a part of all of this as well? Yeah, uh, big time. Uh, uh, I have a very beautiful and godly wife. Her name's Sarah. And uh, two awesome children, a daughter, Emily, she's 19, and my son is 16. And they, uh, they've, that's all they've ever known is growing up in the hood, you know, doing good, working with the kids. My daughter was teaching the, the kids ever since she was probably five years old. Like, she was part of the, the whole kids club, and the, we'd do, like, every kind of drama and play and everything creative we could think of you know object lessons songs and games and but it was all bible curriculum just teaching them character and the fruits of the spirit and these things so yeah they've been totally involved and and they're doing great they love jesus and going after god they're both musicians too i would assume your kids have gone through thunder school tell us what thunder school is and maybe uh you know perhaps if you're interested in recruiting any australians how they can go about finding out more about it yeah yeah that would be tremendous we i don't think we've we've had people from all different nations but i don't think we've had our australians yet so we're calling from the the thunder down under calling for them to come on up and join us um so uh but basically, yeah, Thunder School, my daughter's gone through it because it's 18 and up, so she went through it. My son hasn't yet. I think he's planning on it. Um, but it's, uh, it's just three months in the fall, uh, September to December, and it's amazing, very power-packed, life-changing time. It's, uh, in essence, it's discipleship, but for a certain tribe, a certain DNA, which is the creative types. So a lot of musicians, of course, and, but also arts and media and drama 
dance and different forms of art used for God's glory. But it's uh, it deals a lot with a lot of healing and a lot of uh, you know we always we always say the the heart before the art. If the heart's not pure, you know stuff that's coming out isn't going to be pure. So we got to get people whole and healthy and and clean and free and and so we do do that on the front end of it. We also are working on you know writing songs and forging our creativity, um, doing a lot of hands-on outreaches. So we we go to the streets, we go to the prisons, we, t- we take it all around. Um, you know, ultimately through Thunder School, we we launch Rolling Thunder, which is a tour we do all across America and Canada, and uh, and then we've done a lot of international as well. But yeah, we would we would love to have some Australian. Uh, uh, Worshiping warriors come and join us, and uh, and be part of the team, and and love to get down there someday. I've never one of the few continents I've not been to yet down there. So we've been all over Amer- South America and Africa and Europe, and a little bit of Asia, but yeah, still still some places to go. So and some people to meet. So just for us to get a little glimpse, your kingdom focus. Fourth underscore with the young people that come on board for those few months. Can you describe for those who've never heard of it the kingdom purpose? What are you doing with these people, and and why? Yeah. Well, Jesus said, "Go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples." So ultimately, it's discipling the next generation. Uh, but also, along with that, it's I've always believed in the times that we're in that the last last day modern missions movement will be fueled by music and creativity and media so it's the language of our times it seems to transcend even English German French whatever it's, it's that people are just living on the media they're, they're devouring it. they say that the average teenager spends about six hours on their electronic device now you know just just taking in all whatever they're they're into you know so we have to penetrate that world redeem that world and uh and so we believe in you know, raising up these media warriors. Uh, you know, we're constantly making music and videos, and and uh, and just believing that this is even. We just got back from California and saw the most amazing results in, a, in an area that's very liberal and very ungodly in some ways. Uh, different in the streets, we take the music to the streets and uh, prophesy over people, and it's just been profound results. Like people in tears and just like, where, where, who are you? Where did you come from? And just you know, it can speak to the heart before the head tries to turn it off. You know, so we we use it as a language, you know, for some good fishing for the harvest. You know, so that's why I f- we're real passionate about about it. And every time we travel, I'm like, God, we uh, we need a thousand more of these musicianaries. You know, we need, like because uh, everywhere we go, there's such need, there's such harvest in the earth, but it, the workers are few. So we're believing for a great crescendo, a great movement of many many young people that are, that are trained. And, and equipped and anointed to go into the harvest, into to the poor, to the lost, to the darkest places of the world, and be that burning, shining light. And 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 then along with that, many fathers and and mothers of thunder that will cover the movement and stand with them and say, "This is this is the work of the Lord." And we we we're, we have a, a a privilege to do this. And as long as it's day, we will do this work. You know, as long as we have the light, we're we're on it because Jesus said so. So. That's why we're passionate about it. Yeah. Amen. And I guess just a, a little synopsis before we say goodbye at the moment. A little synopsis for those who haven't heard of snakes oh, yeah. in the lobby. It's all related, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a. Well, it came out, I think, in '96, and it was a vision. Uh, I was at a, a big music international music conference and and uh, was involved in the music industry myself. Um, and the Lord really took me into this. I'd say it's more like a trance, a vision. But I was awake, and I literally walked into this place, into a lobby, and just could see into the spirit realm. I was just, I was in a zone. I was couldn't believe it, but it was happening. And then it wouldn't leave me for a couple of days. It just stayed on me, where I was like almost sick to my stomach, and just I was like, God, what do you, what do I do with this? This is crazy. But it was like being in a movie. I could just see the colors and multi-dimensional things, and and there was revelation swirling coming at me. And I was like, He said, write this down. And I was like, but I'm a songwriter. I don't know what this even is, you know. And he said, write it down. I'll help you. And so I got it done, and it went across the music industry, and it was like an earthquake. It just it, it shot out like lightning. It just went, just the cop people photocopied it and sent it and this and that and way back then. And uh, then we finally got our little version printed of it, and those five thousand copies went real quick and. Then finally, Rick Joyner picked it up and said that we got to put this out, you know, globally, internationally. And I think it's in at least ten languages now. It's been all over the world. So helping turn the lights on and liberate people in music and the arts and the warfare that comes against a lot of the creative people. But we've had many pastors and people in business say, "Well, this is my church or this is my business." So it's, it, it applies because it's the nature of the demonic realm and human nature and how to get free. So. Um, that's what it is, yeah. I recommend it. I think it can, I tell especially creative people, it can save you 10 years of pain and detours <laughs> if you read this little little book, you know. So that's what Snakes in the Lobby is. So as a, as a final encouragement to our listeners, the biggest life lesson you've ever learned? I would say just two, two things that come to my mind would be one is God is totally trustable. You can trust him with all your heart. He's faithful and uh, uh, down to the detail. He doesn't forget anything. And if you, he doesn't for, your labor in him is, is your sacrifice is not in vain. He remembers it all and he will promote you in due time. If we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, he'll lift you up. And when he does it, you can't touch that. There's no one can touch it. So to trust him, walk in his ways and watch what he'll do. He'll do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. But we have to trust him and we have to adhere to his word, take his word serious, try it out, watch the results, and then keep going and then watch the big results that will come. There's a price, you know, but the price doesn't compare to the payoff that you will receive if you walk with God and in his ways. God bless you, Scott, and thanks so much for your time. Yeah, it's a great privilege to meet you guys. Yeah, God bless. Well, that was a conversation that Karen Hunt had a few years ago with Scott McLeod in Nashville, Tennessee. And since that time, Scott's ministry has really blossomed and grown. The compassion ministry that he started to help the poor has changed its name from Provision International to Harvest Sound International. And just as its name implies, it's now helping poor people in several countries, including South Africa and Cyprus. To find out more about the different aspects of Scott's ministry and about the book Snakes in the Lobby, you can go to his website, harvestsound.com. That's harvestsound.com. And to think this international ministry all got its start when Scott read the verse Matthew 25, 40, where it says, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
Scott realised that writing a number one song meant nothing if there was no acts of compassion administered to the poor. And that led him to totally change his perspective on life, which has led to a wonderful and fruitful ministry. Well, thanks for joining us for Scott McLeod's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Lord, is being an actor on a stage what you want for me? And the, the answer was clearly no, because he began to change my heart. And a good friend of mine who's a, a precious brother in Christ came to me because he knew the struggle that I was going through. He went to the same university I went to, and he said, John, have you ever thought about a different type of a stage? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, have you thought about radio? I think you'd be pretty good in radio. John Hull is from Houston and has been involved in Christian radio since the 1970s. He now travels the world over, including Australia, helping other stations improve their radio skills. But this is not what he originally set out to do. We'll hear his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.